We've been talking about victory this year, and uh, that this is a year of complete victory. One of the ways that we said that uh, the, the principles that we can use for victory are prayer and, uh, and faith and hope and praise, all those things together help us uh, to really achieve victory in our life on a daily basis. The last couple of weeks, we've really focused on prayer primarily and to, to look at it to see how we can use this most important resource that we have. It's probably the, the greatest unused resource that Christians have available to them today because uh, we talk about it, but we don't really use it in an effective way. You know, the question, I guess, is why on earth does God ask us to pray to him in heaven? Why do we have to do that? You know, what's it all about? Well, uh, we know that we are God's agents of victory here on this earth and that we have to exercise that dominion and authority to be able to advance his kingdom. Uh, we see that, we've seen that, you know, in, in Genesis, he says that God created man and, uh, and woman in his own image. We're created in his image and likeness. And that he gave, it says, them dominion and authority to subdue the earth, to, uh, to subjugate it, to, uh, to take authority. It even says by force if necessary. So mankind had that at the beginning. But Satan, who was cast out of heaven, desired to have authority. So he couldn't really do anything over the earth because he didn't have any power to do so. So he came in, and we know the story that he deceived Adam and Eve. And what did he do? He, just what Jesus said, he, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He came, and he deceived mankind. They fell in sin. Satan then took the, the dominion and authority that had been given to mankind, and he then began to use it. We know that, uh, that when he tempted Jesus, he said, you know what? He says, I can give you this authority. He says, it's been given to me. He said, you know, and he was trying to get Jesus to really to come along and, and not have to go the hard route, not have to go by the way of the cross. But Jesus uh, quoted the word of God to him and, and refused to go that way, refused to take the easy way out, refused to compromise. And he did go to the cross and through his death, burial, and resurrection, he regained dominion and authority for us and, uh, that, that we had lost. And then he restored that to us. He said, you know, all power on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He told us that. And so he, then now in Christ and through Christ and through what he did, we now have that dominion and authority back, uh, given back to us to exercise it and to, to bring about God's will upon the face of the earth. The problem is, is that we, uh, most of the time when we pray, we're thinking more about ourselves than we are really about what God wants. And, and um, you know, Satan tries to keep us in conflict all the time. And he tries to keep us in conflict all the time so that our thoughts will be always about what we're going through and all the difficulties and everything that's happening to us. And so that really then our prayer then kind of comes along the same way as our attitude is. If your attitude is such that, you know, we don't know what to do and and that uh, we have all these things hitting us and, and have all this, uh, the problems going on, then our prayer are, is going to go along that way as well. Because prayer is more than just an activity. Prayer is an attitude. And you know, we think that, you know, if you think that prayer is a certain set time, which we do set time for prayer or corporate prayer together, if you think it's an activity, if it's how you, how you posture yourself physically, you know, on your knees before God or whatever in a certain posture, then, you know, you're really missing it because it's more of a spiritual posture through our attitude. It's an attitude of prayer. We want to look at that uh, more specifically today. Last week, we began this, uh, this teaching on prayer and about understanding man's, uh, the importance of prayer and understanding man's use of prayer, our use of prayer. We know that prayer really is the the power or the resource, the energy by, where, by which we can exercise the dominion and authority that's been given to us. In Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to turn there, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, he, he, he begins writing in, in that chapter and he tells us some things and he tells us about uh, the, the enemy, who, who's our enemy, and he tells us about our equipment that we're to use against him. And then he tells us really about the energy that we can have to, to come against him. And, and in Ephesians chapter 6, if you want to read it there with me, it starts out in verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Sometimes we can get so focused upon our natural, the conditions that we're living in here. 
especially if we're having some tough times, if we're going through some trials, tribulations, or temptations can distract us, get our attention away from um, the kingdom of God and, and his will and his direction because we're so focused on trying to take care of those things that seem so out of control and take care of those fires that are right in front of us, right? You see how that, how that happens? So it seems like that we have to mandate and give our attention to those particular things. And when we're always caught up with these things around here, we kind of lose sight of what our, really what our calling and our, 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 our position should be. And so uh, we want to see then how he, he says that you're not battling against flesh and blood. It's not really these natural things that you're battling against, but principalities against powers, against the rulers in high places. And then he says in verse 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand or take, to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand, to be able to stand, to take this, this stand, putting on the full armor of God, not just a little bit of it, not some of it, but the full armor of God. It's not our armor, it's his armor. My armor is not, it won't get me through the battle, but his armor will. And so then he lists all the different pieces of the armor and uh, tells us how to use it and, and to stand firm in it. And in verse 18 he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So after he tells us, who the enemy is, and what our equipment is, he comes down to this last thing, he says, and pray. You can have on your armor, you can be, or on God's armor, you can dress up, you can put it on, and you can do all those things, and if you don't know how to pray, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to look good and not be effective. A lot of times when we pray, if we fail to understand really how to pray the way God has designed it, if we fail to understand that, then you know we can just be talking and and not get, not get anywhere. That's why that we want to look at this thing about prayer. James says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now we know that we've been declared righteous in Christ by what Christ has done for us. Now God declares the believing sinner to be righteous, but we're to make that happen every day. And as we put on the breastplate of righteousness in a sense, we then are covering ourselves, our vital parts of who we really are, in the sense of righteousness, walking in a right relationship with, uh, with other people and with God and with ourselves, walking in that right relationship. And so then the armor then takes, this, takes the form of these various things in a spiritual realm, but we've got to understand how to pray. And he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So many times we'll focus on Verse 12, we'll focus on the enemy. Or we'll come down and we'll begin to focus on the equipment. We'll begin to, to take a look at the armor, but we fail to go all the way forward and, and to begin to look and see really about how to pray. We need to pray. And the very first thing that he says to do is to pray in the Spirit. Now, look at this example. Remember back in Exodus 17 where, Moses, where the children of Israel were going out and the Amalekites came against them? And so they gave direction, Moses gave direction for Joshua and all the soldiers to go out and to fight the Amalekites. Remember that? And so they went out to fight, but, but Moses and Aaron and well, that other guy, what was his name? Her? her? No, him. <laughs> no, anyway, um, anyway they, they went up on the mountain, and so Moses prayed, and when he had his hands up, Joshua won. But when his arms would get weak and fell down, Joshua, the children of Israel began to lose. And so... Aaron and her would hold his hands up and they would pray. And so we see this important thing here that, that in spiritual warfare, you've got to have the sword and you've got to fight the fight, but you also got to pray and you've got to pray the prayer. You've got to know how to pray. These two things working together accomplishes victory. And people, we cannot afford to not really understand how to be effective in this day and age that we're living. What we've got by in the past will not get us by in the future. Amen. So the very first thing that he, he goes on to say here is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. A lot of times people will, you know, and they'll pray and we'll pray really what's on our mind and what's on our heart and what's really pressing and this and that. And we pray what we think God's will is or we pray what we want to happen. And that's fine, but he says, he starts out and says, and pray in the Spirit. In Romans 8, 26 
the Apostle Paul says that the Spirit helps us in our infirmity or in our weakness. And he says, he tells us what his, our weakness is. Our weakness is we don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit, he says, knows the mind of God. And, or, and it says that he who searches the, uh, the you know, hearts of man and, and the minds of God, the Holy Spirit prays in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit will always pray or intercede. It says he intercedes for us. He stands in behalf and he prays for us according to God's will. The Holy Spirit will never pray any other way other than the will of God. Do you believe that? So it's important that we know how to pray in the Spirit. People talk about you know, the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and a lot of different things and they're afraid of this and don't understand that. But I want to tell you something one of the main things that we need to know about the Holy Spirit is that God has given to him to lead us, to guide us into all truth. And one of the main things to guide us into, one of the main truths to guide us into is the will of God when we pray. Because then we become effectual and, and we become fervent in the Lord and that prayer avails much. This is what James said. Again there in Romans eight twenty six. if you want to see it, he says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'd like to think that I know what God's will is. I'd like to think that I always know what to pray. But, you know, sometimes I'm, not, I'm no good on my own because depending on what's influencing me, what's hitting me, that's what I'm going to think I need the most. If I'm being attacked and, and you, know, uh, you know, I might think that that's what really what God's will is. That's what needs to happen. But yet, you know, the will of God might be something else. If I understand how to, to bind the enemy, all these other things, they'll go away. You know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Even our petitions, when we're petitioning God for things that we need or want, God said, those can be added to you, but first seek his kingdom, his will, his direction in this thing. Paul said, we don't know what to pray for. Wait a minute, Paul. The apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you don't know what to pray for? What's up with you? You know? Man. You know what our problem is today as Christians? We're too proud we don't want to admit that we don't know what to pray for. I used, people used to come forward in prayer and in a prayer line. And I said, what do, what do you need from the Lord? Well, you're the man of God. You, you need to know. You know, you ought to know. Well, let's pray in the Spirit because he knows and pray in the Spirit. Thank God for the helper. You know, I used to be real intimidated. Oh, okay, God, how do we pray here? What do we need to do? And, and I would just maybe worry about it, try to figure it out. And I thought, oh, I don't want to look, you know, Lord, we got to know. And it's like, okay, pray in the Spirit. Because he knows what the will of God is. It says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches uh, our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. God's searching our heart, and he knows the mind of the Spirit. And it says that because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. If you don't know how to pray in the Spirit then ask him to teach you how to pray. Be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, Paul didn't give a suggestion. He said, well, you know, I think a good thing ought to be that you ought to be filled with the Spirit. No, he said, be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. The Holy Spirit is not a force that we get a hold of. He's a person of the Godhead that gets a hold of us so he can direct us. But we have to surrender our will to his will. A lot of times a lot of people get, get real nervous because they think that, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is just speaking in tongues. And they, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't know about that. That's just the evidence because what that shows is that we've surrendered ourselves to him and, and we allow him then to pilot us, govern us, control us. That's what being filled means. Filled, piloted, governed, completely controlled by the Spirit of God. Let him control you. Boy, I, I remember uh, when I was praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I was like, well, you know, I was just waiting for something to knock me out, blow me against the wall. I wouldn't know what happened, you know. Later on, people would say, wow, Spirit of God really got a hold of you. Oh, man, I didn't know what was going on. I was just out of it, you know. But no, I was consciously aware, and here's this struggle going on. And I'd hear these little sounds and syllables, but I don't know what that means. And that's probably, I hear that person, that's probably the words that I hear them speaking, you know. Well, if you hear English, you might say the same thing I do because you're hearing it. I mean, that's how we learn. But, you know, I had a big struggle on this thing because I didn't want it to be me. I wanted it to be the Lord. Till Pastor Tommy Scott, who was praying with me, shared with me there in Acts 19 where they went to, to the, there, the town of Ephesus, and they were praying with those, and they 
you know, found out that they were saved. And so they asked them a question, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we hadn't even heard that there is the Holy Spirit. Now, they were believers. So some people think that you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved. No, there's an indwelling and then there's an infilling. You know, indwelling is he, he dwells in us, and there's a work that he does through that, but then there's a, something that's subsequent to our salvation, and that's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he says, well, he says, we're going to lay hands on you, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you will speak with tongues. And so Brother Scott shared that with me. He said, now we're going to lay hands on you. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to speak with tongues. And so that went on about four or five times. I was kept waiting to be knocked out, blown against the wall or something. You know? And they said, oh, you got it. And uh, so finally he stopped and said, now look, we're doing our part. We're laying our hands on you. The Holy Spirit's doing his part. He's coming up on you. You're not doing your part. I said, well, what's that? Speaking in tongues. I said, well, I, I, uh, you know, uh, I'm waiting for him to do it. No, he's waiting for you to do it. I said, well, wait a minute. Because you hear those sounds and syllables, you hear that, and that's when you, you consciously release yourself to him. Well, if I do that, that's me. It's you in the sense that you are submitting yourself to him so that then he can have you and he can pray through you. Are you? I don't know y'all get Y'all aren't getting this today. So we need to pray in the Spirit. I just want to share that with you so that you know that you need to yield yourself to Him. Why? Because we, the authority has been given to us. So we have to surrender it now to Him and allow Him then to take that place because we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right? I think about some of these empires. You know, you look down through history and they had a king at eight or nine years old. A king? Whoa. Well, you know, he might get up one morning and get mad because the cereal wasn't fixed just right. It's like, kill them all, you know. He's eight years old. He doesn't know what to do, you know. Well, thank goodness that they had someone to help rule with him that, that knew what was going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray, right? I'm the guy that's upset with my cereal. But the Holy Spirit knows the will of God, right? So I need to surrender to him. Because I'll be just crying and, and all this stuff because I didn't get my way. How many of you think that you've ever prayed that way. And then we get mad because we didn't get our way. <laughs> and God says, well, that's why there was nothing, nothing happened because you were praying according to your will and not my will. The thing is that when we pray in accordance with God's will, everything down here works out. Everything that really what I really need is going to work out. It'll, it'll be taken care of if I just learn how to surrender myself to the Holy Spirit Allow him to pray through me. Paul said, I pray in the Spirit, and I pray with the understanding. Oh, wait a minute. Because when we're praying in the Spirit, he's praying with words and with groans that words can't express. So he, but just as the manifested gift of the tongues and interpretation of tongues in a congregation is to be in effect, the same way, personally, when I pray in the Spirit, I need to pray then for the understanding to know what I'm praying or what the Holy Spirit's praying through me. Why? So I can add my agreement to it. Well, why do you need to add your agreement? Because we are God's agents of victory. And that, it's amazing how God has worked this out. You see, he says there in Ephesians chapter 3.10, that his intent, God's intent was that now, through the church, that he might show the manifold wisdom of God to these principalities and powers and these rulers in high places, through the church. So when the Holy Spirit prays through me, he's praying with groans and words that, you know, that words can't express. And so I'm yielded to him. I don't know what's going on. I'm praying in the spirit. Well, what am I supposed to be doing myself? I'm praying for the understanding. Okay, let me in on this. Great conversation, God and Holy Ghost. Boy, y'all are good conversation. What's up? <laughs> really, we need to be alert in this thing so that we begin to begin to seek what is, I want to understand what the will of God is. Paul even tells that when he writes, he says, understanding the will of God. We need to understand. So all this time as the Holy Spirit is praying through us, we're praying for the understanding. And personally, as this is happening to me, I'm a visual person. So a lot of times I begin to see certain things. You know, some people are more auditory. We're all different, you know. So I can't tell you how you're going to tap in and understand. But for me, I, sometimes I begin to see certain things. And so what's happening is I'm getting the interpretation, if you will, of what the Holy Spirit is praying in accordance with God's will. So then when I begin to see that and begin to understand that, I then begin to pray 
and add my agreement to it so that it happens because whatever you bind on earth, not the Holy Spirit, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So now through the Holy Spirit, I'm praying in accordance with God's will, but I've got to add my agreement to it, and then I need to take my rightful position now, since I'm tapped in and I know, then to add my agreement to it and say, your will be done. Your will be done. And begin to verbalize it in, in specific ways, and however the Holy Spirit begins to give you understanding. Oh, y'all ain't getting this today. <laughs> I'm telling you, people, we're living way below our privilege. We're wasting more time in what we call prayer. And that's why people don't... You know, when you're in school, how many of you liked history? Some. But most of the time it's like, oh, that's so boring. Because we didn't understand, we didn't really get the full ingredients of it, you know. I, I love history. When I got in college, history became a lie because we had some people there that they dedicated their life to history. They were professors and they brought in all these little intricate details. And I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. And then I began to pay attention, you know, and I got excited about it. But, you know, if you're not, you're not interested and you're just kind of, can't wait till this is over. Well, you know, that's why we, we don't really have an interest in prayer. Why? Because we don't know the vital importance of it. We don't know the fine details. Because we're just out here just, well, whatever. Well, okay, uh, bless the bread, bless the meat. Food's getting cold, let's eat. <laughs> Might as well, you know. Uh, we don't understand the, those fine details, the will of God, and we don't understand the importance of, of us understanding that, how vitally and important it is for us to understand the will of God and what the Holy Spirit wants to pray through us so we can add our agreement. People, what happens on earth depends upon us. Oh, no, it's God. He's in charge of it all. Oh, yeah, he's in charge of it all, but he, who did he give that in charge to? To us. To us. And we want to take a back seat and say, well, you know, I can't believe, why didn't God do this and why didn't God do that? Well, why didn't you pray and see what God wanted to do? Well, we, we blame him for so much. What happens depends upon how sensitive we, we don't like that because now we've got to take responsibility for all that stuff. And that's why Paul, you know, this man was learning. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he, was, he, he knew this stuff. But you know what? When he be, got a revelation of Christ and really who the Holy Spirit is, it changed his life. And he says, I don't know how to pray. Now, if he had said that as a, uh, as a Pharisee, they had stripped him of everything, run him out of the temple. But he said, wait a minute. When he got in the perspective of the universe and God on the throne and, and our importance here on earth, and I tell you, we need to get serious about it, people, because what happens here depends upon us. A lot of times we don't get serious about something until our life depends upon it or somebody else's life depends upon it. I want to tell you today that your life and the life of those around you depend upon you learning how to pray. If you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> we need to know how to pray. Only in the Spirit can we pray the will of God. If not, we're influenced by our stinking thinking. We'll pray selfish prayers. I mean, I'm no good on my own. I'm sorry. And you're, not, it, it, you're no good on your own. We are tainted by our own will and our own ways, our weakness of the flesh. So we've got to pray in the Spirit. I've got to get out of my flesh and pray in the Spirit so that I can pray in accordance with... I don't know if y'all are getting this or not. But, you know, if you ask the Holy Spirit to actually just show it to you, just make it plain to you, you'll realize, you know what, yeah, the, I was being a little selfish there. It's so hard for us to admit that, isn't it? That's why he says the humble and contrite man. You know what contrite means? It's like taking a tube of toothpaste and squeezing it and scraping it till everything is completely out of that thing, completely out. We need to be contrite. Everything of ourself emptied out, no more of us, now be filled with the Spirit of God. That's a hard thing to do. That's why I need it daily. I need, Paul said, I die daily. In Romans chapter 6, he says, reckon or count yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. He talked about our old man, our old nature, and the new man, or Christ in us. 
And Paul said, I die daily. Every day I have to die to my flesh. If not my flesh, my old self, my own will and way, it's going to influence how I pray and what I do. Hmm. Well, you know, in the, in the, old, tabern- in the old Testament, in the, the tabernacle, there was this little altar of incense that sat there. This is the type of our prayer going up before the Lord. The incense is the type of prayer that goes up before God. The fire underneath the incense, the coals, the fire, that represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would, would light up that incense by the way, which had to be in, under strict direction of the Lord. God gave a specific, specific recipe of how this incense was to be made. If you changed it, it boy, it, wasn't, it, was, it wouldn't work. That's the same way. You know, We can't pray with a little bit of God and a little bit of me you know, that's not going to work. It's got to be all God's direction, you know, his will here, lit by the Holy Spirit, you know, fervent, a fire under us, a praying through the Holy Spirit. Well, we talked about this enough, but when you really get it, then what John said in 1 John chapter 4, in verse 14, he says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to, to his will. There's a qualifying statement. A lot of people like to, oh man, you can ask anything you want. Well, God, I want a new car. I want a lake house. I want a dinner. You know? He says, if you ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. And then he says in verse 15, and if he, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. We have some confidence. That's why we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come boldly because we're saying, okay, you know what? Man, I got confidence because even though I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit's here to pray through me. So I know that I'm going to pray in accordance with God's will when I completely empty myself of me and get filled with him. He's going to pray in accordance with, are you getting this now? You think that might change the way you pray? We might spend less time on us and more time on him. But yet he can show you how to pray for you in ways we might not ever want to see. Sometimes we don't like to see ourselves, do we? Hmm? He can show us really maybe that weakness of where the enemy is coming in and he's gaining access. And when we shut that door, then that makes us stronger. He gives us so much. And so he says there in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, and pray in the spirit. That's the first way. You want to be effective in your prayer. If you want to put the enemy to flight, if you really want to be active, you're all dressed up, you're ready for battle, but if you don't know how to pray, it ain't going to do any good. You just look good, but you're not effective, right? So he says, pray in the Spirit, and then he goes on to say, on all occasions. You don't put it on at 8 o'clock in the morning and take it off at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You don't just pray, you know, okay, oh, 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 it's 9.30, it's 9.30 in the morning. It's my time of prayer. Or it's 7.30, 6.30, whatever time you know you set. And it's good to set times, okay? That's okay. Because we are creatures of habit. But what he's saying here, more this is on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Paul says in Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Now, how do you do that? Well, I want to be at the church all day and all night, and all day and all night, and all day and all night, and all day and all night. <sighs> Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all the time. Praying all the time for everything. What does that mean? Remember a while ago I said prayer is an attitude, not an activity? So it means praying in the Spirit on all occasions, or in other words, in the attitude of prayer. I told you before, sometimes I'll be watching a television program or a movie. You know, we go into a movie, and I'm watching this, and I'm like, and I... All of a sudden, I find myself praying for these people in this movie. I'm like, well, oh, that's stupid. You know, that's ridiculous. That's not going to work. And then I, and I was thinking, oh, and I'm so embarrassed before the Lord. And the Lord's like, he's chuckling and laughing. He says, well, at least you got an attitude of prayer. At least you're in the attitude of prayer. I mean, when you start praying for things like that, then you go, okay, you know, maybe you are tuned in right where you really need to be tuned in. Have an attitude of prayer that whatever happens, that you're, you want to be, you want to be praying about it. You want to understand what God's will is for that thing. Have an attitude of prayer. No matter what happens, people, we're here on this earth for one reason. It's not to suck air and grow old. <laughs> it's to pray. It's to do the will of God to advance his kingdom. That's what we're here for. 
So he says, yeah, go ahead and give him praise. It's obvious it doesn't mean just saying prayers and babbling. I mean, he's told us that there in Matthew 6, 7 that that doesn't do any good. But prayer is this attitude. Be in the attitude of prayer. Attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling. A settled way of thinking or, or feeling. That's why we need to pray and pray in the Spirit. And we need to do it so much that everything just begins, when we see anything or we go or do or whatever we're thinking, it all is filtered through an attitude of prayer. That we want to know, what does God want to do here? Maybe it's, maybe it's nothing, but yet we still... Asking him, seeking him, because then you'll find out that it's like going from black and white to full color. It's like, whoa. And you'll find little tiny things that might be insignificant all of a sudden just become a, a revelation from God. Have you ever had that happen? When you're in an attitude of prayer and the Holy Spirit's directing you, then it's the little things can just open up and just reveal God in ways that you never thought. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And why do we need to do this? Because we are subject to temptation and trial. So the second that I get out of this attitude of prayer, then I'm vulnerable. I'm just opening myself up. I might not know it, and here I go. Just not, you know, just unaware. And boom. Hmm. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. He says, with all kinds of prayers. All kinds of prayers? English, Spanish. All kinds of prayers? What in the world? I only know one way. I only know one, one prayer. See, prayer is not just asking God for something and getting your way. Prayer is discovering God, his will, and then exercising it here where we live. Prayer involves adoration. Remember what Jesus said? When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer includes worship and adoration. Prayer involves direction and proclamation. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer involves petition or supplication. Give us this day, our daily bread. Prayer involves submission to his leadership. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Prayer involves praise and thanksgiving for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Prayer involves all those things. So he says pray with all kinds of prayers. And he says supplications and petitions and thanksgiving and all of those things. Make it a part. That's why really you, you should take the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, take it and break it down. We had a teaching a couple of Wednesday nights ago about six steps to the throne room. It talks about the Lord's Prayer, just what I just said there, and breaking it into six sections, and taking those, those six sections with 10 minutes each, and you can pray an hour. Remember when he came to his disciples, couldn't you, couldn't you at least tarry with me for an hour? Couldn't you at least watch with me for an hour? Couldn't you just pray with me for, for one hour? And, you know, this helps us to be able to do that. I think they'll have some CDs or it's probably on the podcast. Go there and learn how to pray, people. Learn how to pray. Prayer is an act of worship, as I said, and it's not just an expression of wants and needs. So, you know, as we come, we need to reverence him and desire him with our heart, with our spirit coming before him. Prayer does involve supplication. What's supplication? It simply means a request with an extreme desire. It's a petition. When we ask God for something, we petition him for something, either for us or for somebody else, but that's intercession. When we're standing and asking for somebody else, praying for them, desiring something. What sort of things you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Isn't that what Jesus said? So what is it that we really desire? What is it? And we need to discover that. We need to say, search me, O God. Know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me, any selfish way, any self-centered ways. Set that aside and, and let me know what I really need, and then I want to desire what I really need. Boy, when we get down to that, people, you're getting serious before God. Wow. 
When was the last time in his presence that you had such an intimacy with him? I want to tell you, you can have it every day. Every day, that's how you ought to live for him. You know why we get so bored with Christianity? Because it's becomes a religion instead of a relationship. When we wake up in the... I mean, all through the night, there's times that, you know, I am intertwining prayer with maybe dreams, and I wake up and go, no, that wasn't a dream, that was a prayer. And and maybe then, if it's some specific direction, I'll pray at that time for some need. It might be, you know, some of our churches in Africa, it might be you. You know, it might be one of you that the Lord's laid on my heart, you know, as a shepherd for his sheep, or whatever. And so I pray, and it's like... It's just there. It ought to be that atmosphere all the time. And don't say, well, pastor, you're so... No, I'm not so spiritual. (laughs) I just want to be submitted. That's all it is. It's really not an attitude of being up here in spirit. It's down here humbling ourselves and saying, I can't afford to walk in my own way and think my own thoughts. I need to pray always because I'm no good on my own. I'll be influenced by my own selfishness and by my own... Certain temptations and, wow, I don't know about you, but I need to be in him. I need to be walking in the spirit all the time because, again, I'm no good on my own. I remember in 2013, some of you might remember, I had a situation happen in my life. that I was at a men's retreat in Columbus, Texas, and next thing I know, a day and a half later, I'm in the ICU in Clear Lake. They lost me three times. I remember coming out of that, and there was such, and I shared this a few years back, some of the different things that happened, and I never shared everything. But I remember saying, Lord, what happened? How could that happen? I didn't see it coming. He said, exactly. I said, well, why didn't you let me know? Why didn't you warn me? He said, why didn't you check it out? Okay, I'm confused. And I mean, for days, I'm like, God, I just don't understand this. How could this happen? It's like I'm blindsided. He said, you were. He said, the enemy was like a, a, a sharpshooter, like a sniper looking to take out leadership first. And all this stuff, I'm like, okay. It would have been nice to know, you know, back then. He said, you could have. You see, I began, I don't know how to tell you. I don't think, you know, I didn't think there was anything different, but yet I was, things were going good. You know, I was happy. In fact, I, but I was, I know, I remember my body being in such pain. I needed a, a hip replacement. I, I hurt all the time, hurt all the time. And I remember, you know, there were some transitions and stuff going on. I thought, you know, hey, you know, Lord, this, I might as well just go on and be with you. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Hey, that's more desirable. And I really, that was more desirable to me than being here, which I thought was spiritual. <laughs> Better watch out. Satan will help you out a little bit. He'll help you out a little bit. When you think you're too big to get hit, really what it is, you're just too big to miss. We get the big head maybe or something like that. And I was just so confused. And the Lord said, you know, you need to be sensitive to me all the time. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all the time. People, it takes discipline to develop an attitude of prayer. It really does. You know, think about people talk about, you know, have motivational speakers talking about success, and really they talk about that it's an attitude of success. And you change your attitude, the way you approach things, the way you approach people, and the way you approach life, the way you approach different things is how you then begin to succeed. Well, I believe that that's true because we need to have an attitude of prayer, and that will make a difference on how we approach people and how we approach things and how we approach our relationship and who we are. Do you see what I'm talking about? Pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, you do that, when, and with all kinds of prayer. So as we're coming through and he's directing us through all kinds of prayer, then our worship will have something to it, and our intercession for others will, is going to be meaningful. Our petitions before him will make sense, and it'll happen. You know, and interceding for other people. Sometimes we think that, that that's really spiritual, you know. Well, I don't pray for anything for myself. I, I just pray for others. Well, that's good, but, you know, remember the thing on the airplanes that if, if the cabin loses pressure, oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. Put, your first, put yours on yourself first and then help somebody else get theirs. If you don't make sure that you're going to survive, you're not going to be any good to anybody else. But 
Intercession is one of those prayers. With all kinds of prayers, intercession is very important. In fact, did you know that Job never was restored until he began to pray for his friends, pray for others? Job 42 and verse 10, check it out. Let me read it to you. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Let me tell you something. It's important to pray for one another. You know, and we need to pray for one another, not how we feel, but under the direction of God, in the Spirit, with His will. So praying one for another. And he says, then he goes on, he says, with this in mind, as we're praying in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, keep this in mind. Is it? Be alert. Be alert. Well, there it is. That's what messed me up. How could that happen, Pastor? You're a pastor. Yeah? <laughs> what well, happened to David? It happened to Elijah after he called fire down from heaven, consumed the prophets of Baal. Happened to him. He wasn't too alert, I guess. And then Jezebel said, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill you, Elijah, just like you killed my prophets. What did he do? Boo! He heads for the hills over the valley, and he runs, he sits under a juniper tree, said, I wish I'd, I'd just as soon die, so depressed, so discouraged. The prophet of God, Elijah, is anybody in here better than Elijah? <laughs> On the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw Elijah and Moses. Okay, now wait a minute, I don't think I've come up to that standard yet, so if it happened to him, if it happened to David, if it can happen to Apostle Paul... Jesus in the garden was having a down day. <laughs> he was sweating drops of blood. Watch out, Jesus. He finally was alert enough to say, not my will. He finally became alert enough to say, not my will. Wait a minute, what am I doing here? Not my will. Thine be done. People, we need to be alert. We need to be alert. Keeping on the alert really is kind of how it means. You know, when Nehemiah was repairing the wall, and they're in the fourth chapter, it's a great chapter there in Nehemiah, and he says, he goes on to say, you know, we became successful. We were able to repair the wall by two things. He said, in verse 9, he says, but we, we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Watch and pray. That being alert means the same thing as the little phrase, watch and pray. Watch and pray. That doesn't mean like this. <laughs> As I was a kid, that's what I used to do. Who is that? You know, it means being alert. Watch and pray. Be alert. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, in the attitude of prayer, be alert because then we'll begin to know, wait a minute, what's happening here? What's going on? Be alert. It's the secret of victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Be alert. Watch and pray. You know, Jesus came to his disciples there. I mentioned this a while ago. In Mark chapter 14, from verse 37 down to 41, Jesus comes and he, he, he found them sleeping. Now, they went out to pray with Jesus. And he said that, he told them, he says, now, stay here and pray with me. My soul is grieved. He was telling them how important it was to pray with him. And he was talking about the seriousness of it. And he went a little further over. And what did they do? They fell asleep. Hello. Jesus is trying to tell us the urgency of the hour that we're living in and we're sleeping. We're falling asleep. Oh, we're just, just so, so tired, Jesus. And he came to me and said, you know, the flesh is willing, or the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. That's why we need to be alert to our flesh. We need to be careful. You need to be careful about how much you push yourself. Sometimes we, maybe, maybe we look at that as like, that's, a, that's another, you know, big check mark, you know, because I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Well, if you're always doing all this other stuff, maybe you're so weary in your flesh that you can't be any good in the spirit because the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't know if you're getting this or not. Got to be careful. That's why we have to be alert because we got to watch it. We got to make sure that the, the first thing, the, you know, first things first, why are we here? We're here to, to watch and pray and be alert and to pray 
for the, the, the will of God to, to come into effect. And so verse 38 there, Mark chapter 14, he says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In the message, it says it like this. He says, don't be naive. He says, you know, part of you is eager, ready for anything in God, but the other part of you is lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. <laughs> That's the translation, how they break it down. He says, watch out. And he comes back to him the third time. The King James says, sleep on. And then there's this word, enough, and it has an exclamation mark there, enough. What's he really saying? What's he saying to them? When he came to them that third time, and he says, you know what? This is how it is. In the Greek, if you follow it through, and you get the, the, the feeling of it, he's saying, you know what? Go ahead and sleep. Might as well sleep. Get your rest. Yeah, just go ahead and get your rest. You know what? It's enough. That's enough of that stuff. Get up. My, here comes my betrayer. Come on, get up. He was frustrated at them. He goes, because they didn't understand the urgency, the, the importance of the hour. He said, you know what? Yeah, just go ahead and sleep here. When all this is, is breaking loose, one of the most important times that you could be praying for me. But just go ahead and sleep. Yeah, go ahead. Go get your rest. Go ahead and rest. That's enough of that stuff. Get up. Here comes my betrayer. He told him, he says, you know, watch and pray because, so that you don't fall into temptation. You don't fall into... He'd already told Peter when Peter said, oh, you know, everybody else will betray you. That, Not me. He just said, Peter. Before the cock crows twice, you're going to betray me three times. And then all the others, oh, not me, not me. They all begin to say that. And he says... Satan's prayed to sift you. He says, but I prayed for you. Or not Satan prayed for you. He says, he's asked to sift you, to tempt you. He says, but I prayed for you. But he was telling them, you need to watch and pray lest you fall into this temptation that Satan's already put out here for you. And what happened? Peter fell right into it. Denied Christ. A time when he should have taken a stand. Then he felt so depressed and discouraged and went and hid. The time for him to rise up. And they weren't doing it. So he says, Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, with this in mind, be alert, and he says, and always keep on praying. Now the way that that breaks down in the Greek, the word keep on is, it gives the idea of perseverance, don't quit. He says, do all this, and he says, and after all this, pray in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, be alert, and don't stop praying. Don't quit praying. When the going gets tough, keep praying. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't quit until the Holy Spirit tells you to, to stop or God answers the prayer. You know what our biggest problem? We can, we can hit it. We can be all dressed, ready for battle. We can be praying in the Spirit, and we can be praying the will of God, and we're praying, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you know what? I guess he's not going to answer that prayer. Walk away. Remember Daniel prayed 21 days? But he didn't stop. He kept on praying. The old saying that he's seldom early, God, speaking of God, he's seldom early, but he's never late. You keep praying. Well, I don't understand why God hasn't answered. Well, wait a minute. What did John say in 1 John? If we ask According to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, then we'll know that he answers our prayer. So you've got to know that he answers your prayer before you even go in to pray. Uh-oh. Y'all didn't get that. That just that went over like a pregnant pole vaulter. I mean, if you know that whatever you ask for in prayer, that he hears you, then you know that you're going to receive what you ask for. So if you're praying in the Spirit, you've got the attitude of prayer, and you're tapped in, and you begin to understand what the will of God is, and you pray that, and you're dressed for battle, and you're praying, then you know what? You don't stop praying. Don't stop praying because the devil's fighting. He's hindering that answer. Remember when Michael came and was talking to Daniel? He says, you know, man, we were prevented by the prince of Persia, that principality that was over that region. And he says, until, you know, Gabriel came and, and helped fight so I could get this answer to you. 21 days later. Why? Because in the principalities and the powers, 
in this realm were fighting, hindering that answer from prayer. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't quit. Did you know that this expression where he says there, keep on or persevere, the Greek word is only found right here in Ephesians 6.18. That expression is only found there. Now, we find perseverance a lot of places throughout the Bible, but this specific instruction is only found right here in this verse. And it refers to perseverance in supplication. It's specifically directed to, to, our, to continue to persevere when we are petitioning before God's throne with a desire according to his will. And he says, keep on, keeping on. Hallelujah. You know, you can find, I looked in Acts 1.14, Acts 2.42, Acts 6.4, where the early church, that's how they prayed. They persevered. They, they stuck it out. They continued to pray. When Peter got thrown in jail, it says that they prayed continually until God released him. That's how they begin, that's how they saw things happen. People, we got to get back to this type of prayer. Not stopping when the devil comes. And you know, it's like he'll hit you. I, I got this little five-month-old German shepherd puppy, and so I'll take her out and I'll exercise her. I'll throw this toy and she'll go get it. And she goes and gets it. She'll bring it back. I say, leave it. And she goes, she'll hang on to it. And I'll, I'll grab it and she'll shake her head and, and all this stuff. And so I'll, I'll trick her. I'll kind of push it towards her, wait for her to kind of change her body a little bit. When she does, boy, I'll snatch it out of her mouth, you know. And I, I was doing that, you know, and she and playing, and, and the Lord said, you see that? And I go, yeah. <laughs> he says, that's exactly what the devil does when he snatches from you that desire, what you have, what you're holding on to in prayer. See, we desire when we pray, and we have it, and we're holding on to it. And then if we, if we kind of let up our guard for just a little bit, he steals it, comes to steal, kill, destroy, or distract us in some particular way where we just give up. We give up. We think, and the, one of the greatest ways is he tries to convince us that it's not God's will. Why? Because it's, when it is God's will, we know, as First John said, that we know that he hears us and he will answer that prayer if we know that it's God's will. But if we start to entertain these thoughts that maybe it's not God's will, then we'll give up. We begin to, to be swayed. The weapons of our warfare, Paul tells the Corinthians, are not carnal, they're not flesh, they're not of this world, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And he goes on to say that um, to, to tear down arguments or pretensions, anything that exalts itself against our knowledge of Christ, these pretensions, these arguments are when Satan comes and he tells us something, and we begin to listen to that, and it's, well, what did we know of Christ and our knowledge of Christ? We know that this is God's will. Well, we hear this argument from Satan telling us why it's not, and we get to thinking, hmm, well, maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe that's why God hasn't answered my prayer, because maybe it's not God's will. What are we doing? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Then we begin to do this, hmm. Well, maybe so. Well, I mean, yeah, I've been praying about this for however long. Maybe that's not God's will. Maybe I'll change it a little bit. And we, we vacate our prayer. We leave it there, and we give up. Most of the time, right before the answer comes. Satan really gets intense about trying to convince us that God's not going to answer right before it happens. So if you begin to sense that, that's when I start to get excited. Oh, man, it's getting ready to happen because the devil's getting really nervous. Amen. Of course, I'm kind of that optimist, you know, like the little boy that was in the room with all this horse manure, and they thought, oh, surely he can't find anything good here, and he's digging through the horse manure, flying everywhere, and they said, What's, what, do you, what do you see good next? He says, well, there's this much horse manure, there's got to be a pony. You know? I mean, he was a... He was a a glass half empty was, I mean, it was full, you know. It was half full, not half empty. you got to get excited. That's, isn't that an attitude? That's an attitude. That's an attitude of prayer that we know that he hears us. Wait a minute. Did I pray in accordance with God's will? If you're going to go back and check something, check to make sure that you're praying in the Spirit, praying in accordance with God's will. Go over those things before him. Let the Holy Spirit show you. Robert Law says prayer is not getting man's will done in, in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. 
getting his will done here on earth. We loose the things, his will in heaven, so that it comes and happens here on the earth. And most of us quit praying right before victory begins to manifest itself. And keep on praying. Pray on all things. And then he goes on to say, as he draws it down, he says, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people, for all the saints. Pray one for another. Man, when you feel like when you're in it and you're just praying and you continue to pray about that, then pray for somebody else too. Because you know what? The more people that Satan has to get over here and try to, you know, defend what he's trying to do, that takes a little pressure off of you. Did you know that? I found that, you know, as I'm praying and I'm holding this before God, I'm not going to turn loose of it. I'm going to hold on to it. And then I'm going to pray, and I'm praying for Tim and his situation. I, and, you know, and I, here we go, and I'm praying for all the saints. The devil has to, oh, wait a minute, I've got to cover that. Wait, you know, and then he's got to go cover this. And, you know, he can only do so much. That lets off some of the pressure over here. That's a powerful prayer tactic. Find the person, the, the worst sinner <laughs> that you can think of, and pray for that person to get saved. Well, that'll shake the devil up. <laughs> oh, I can't lose them, you know. And he get over there and try to protect Come on now. But hey, do something. Have an attitude of prayer. Have an attitude of tenacity that I'm going to pray and then pray for all the saints. And Paul said, pray for me too. He didn't say that, that he'd have a good night's rest or that things would go good or that he'd have a little bit better food or a better tent or something to, to sleep in. He said, pray for me that when I preach that the world will go forth. Oh, wait a minute, Paul. Really? I mean, aren't you the guy that was caught up to the third heaven? How about you praying for us instead of us praying for you? But if Paul thinks it's important for, to request prayer for him, then people, we need to let people pray for us. I've said to different ones, I'm praying for, oh, well, th yeah, thanks, but you don't need to pray for us. Or, you know, we're so blessed. You know, pray for someone, so somebody else that's, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And I want to tell you something, people. I've seen with that kind of attitude, and I continue to pray for them, but I've seen what they did have begin to go down because they didn't recognize and value how much that they did need prayer. Never think that you don't need prayer. Never, ever be too proud not to ask for prayer. People say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. I, you know what? That gets my attention. Thank you. I need it. Oh, well, are you going through something? I'm always going through something. <laughs> I, I, I want to go through. I want to get to the other side, you know. So, yeah, I'm going through something, you know. I don't want to be stationary. I don't want to be stagnant. I want to be going on, amen. And, and isn't that what the devil tries to make us think so we don't request prayer? Because if we do, people will be thinking, oh, you're sinning? You got sin in your life? Of course I got sin in my life. John said, if you say you have no sin, you lie and deceive yourself. I've got iniquity in me, self-will. I've got my own will in my life, which will bring me about out of God's will if I yield to it. So yeah, pray for me that I don't walk in my own flesh. I don't walk according to my will, but I walk. Oh, I wish I had some sinners in here to preach to this morning. Y'all, you, know, you know, we just, he gives this, this religious spirit comes and it just works on us to where, you know, we have to put on this front for everybody to make them think, make them think that we're all this so that we can live the life that other people, what? Live the life that somebody else thinks? I want to live the life that God has for me. And I need to humble myself. If I need prayer, you pray for me every day. Pray for me every day. Well, why, pastor, are you? I don't want to fall into temptation. When, when I come by temptation, and then you will come by temptation every day, if you don't think that you will, you got another thing coming. That's why Jesus said, pray, lead us not into temptation, or lead us so that when we come by temptation, I don't fall into temptation, but I go on the other side of it. That's what that means. I told this story. We're talking about those six steps to the throne about lead us not into temptation. Robert McGee and I, we used to, we'd go to Galveston to the hospital or something like that. Well, we'd pass by White's Liquor Store. I didn't even know it was there. And one day Robert said, man, yep. I pulled in there many times. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, every time I pull by there, I think about such and such. I said, oh, I didn't even realize that was there. He said, yeah, it's right outside of such and such. So where we used to have to come buy our liquor and stuff. I said, really? So I said, but does it bother you now? He said, no, it don't bother me anymore. I said, see, that's why we need to pray that that was a temptation. That had been a temptation in his life. 
I'm going to go by temptation. You go by temptation every day of your life. You walk by her. You walk by him. You walk by it or whatever it is that's a temptation. You're going to walk by it. And if you pause for a second, uh-oh, and they say, if you think long, you think wrong, you better say, lead me. That when I come to temptation, I don't fall into temptation. You're going to come to temptation every day. But you don't want to fall into temptation. Are you getting what I'm saying here? You see why we need to pray every day? You see why we need to pray one for another every day? Because we ain't that all that. We just who we are. And we need prayer every day. Well, I want to pray with you this morning. Whew. About preach my gizzard out. They did an MRI on me right now. They wouldn't find a gizzard. People, I can't stress to you how important it is for us to pause and come before the Lord and say, God, teach me to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray because they saw something different in him. You know why? Because he prayed in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, being alert and praying for, for all the saints. That's what Jesus was doing. That's why he spent so much time in prayer. You're going to find yourself looking for more opportunities to pray because you're going to begin to sense this. And that's why that you have to, when you're driving to work, you're praying. When you're eating your lunch, you're praying. When you're whatever, you're praying. You're praying. You're in an attitude of prayer so that at any time, it's like, you know, uh, being a first responder and having on a, you know, a, they used to wear pagers, but certain things that, that would alert you, hey, there's a fire, there's a wreck, or whatever, we've got to have you. That man, when the Holy Spirit calls you, pray specifically, you, you're on, you're on alert. You're ready at any time. That's the way we need to be. That's the way we have to be. If we're going to see victory in our life, in the lives of others around us, people, we've got to learn how to pray. Let's do it this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for expressing the urgency of us yielding ourselves to you and to the Holy Spirit to pray. You've given to us this awesome responsibility of exercising dominion and authority on and over this earth. We need to know how to use that authority that's been given to us. We can only do that under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we say, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Lord, as we look down and we see the Apostle Paul, and we see the disciples and different ones desiring and asking to be taught how to pray, we need to do that as well. We need to understand that we pray as part of a great family that's praying to you and seeking you and we're all tapped in to your will. Wow. The things that we'll begin to see. Signs follow them that believe. Lord, I believe that we are in need of a mighty move of God. I believe we're living in these last hours, last days before you're coming. I believe there's a great work to do. And instead of us just standing and being spectators waiting to see what you're going to do, God, you are waiting for us to take that position and begin to exercise that dominion and authority and pray your will be done. Lord, help us to remember what said in Proverbs, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Lord, that we know that you hear our prayers. Hallelujah. Lord, tug at our hearts today. Tug at our hearts today, Father. Father, help us to say what Jesus said. He says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Help us to seek to please you, not just ourselves. 
Jesus saw what you wanted done, Father, and that's what he wanted done. Lord, help us to be so involved in prayer that we realize that prayer involves knowing you, God, first and and knowing your will so that we can pray God prayers, we can feel God feelings, we can think your thoughts, oh God. Lord, realizing that Prayer requires us to humble ourselves, but be faithful with perseverance and ask you, O oh God, to bring about your purpose here on this earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Thank you, Father, that we know that you honor the dominion and authority that you gave to us, and you stand waiting for us to ask you to intervene, and you won't until we ask you to step into this arena. So we do that. Teach us to pray. Father, give us such a desire that that's what we're about. We're about your business. Lord, I pray over this congregation. I pray, Father, that we begin to just be so filled with your presence. Father, that this place begins just to be jammed with people that are seeking your your touch in their life. There are so many hurting people and so many hurting families around, Father, that they need a place to come to be touched by you. And that's what we want. We want to put them in connection with you. Lord, that's our desire. That's our prayer. We know that that's your will. If you're here this morning, maybe you're not, you're not sure if you're a child of God. You're not sure that if this were your time to step into eternity, you're not sure that it would be in heaven. If you're not sure today, if there's any doubt in your mind, if there's question marks there, just raise your hand. Let me pray for you this morning. We would just want to pray for you. You need to know today that Jesus went to that cross and he died for each one of us. He died for you. Are you not sure? Anybody here this morning? You're not sure that you're a Christian? Maybe you're here and you say, well, I know that I'm a Christian, but you know, I, I don't feel close to God. I feel like I've just kind of gone my own way a little bit. You don't have to raise your hand, but if that's you, why don't you just say, God, I do want to be closer to you. I know you have a purpose for me. I'm still here. There's things that you need me to pray, to stand in the gap for. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 2, it says, God says, he says, I look for a man or look for someone to among them that would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. If God, as God looks down now for someone to stand in the gap to hold back his judgment off of somebody else's life or whatever, can he find us? Can he find you? Can he find me? How about saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I want to be better in prayer than I've ever been before in my life. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this. Lord, I thank you that you tell us in Deuteronomy that said that you will make us the head and not the tail if we pay attention to what your principles are. If we follow your ways, then you say that you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. So, Father, we want to do that. We want to commit ourselves today to understand your principles or to follow after your principles and, and Lord that you bring us to the top and not to the bottom amen 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 praise God let's stand this morning I'm going to pray over the food that we're about to have in here and we're going to do that and then uh, we thank you so much for, for staying and helping out our, our children's ministry through our auction so many great things that so many of you have brought